series today called God Is. Our topic was supposed to be God is Love, but because of the events of this past week, I thought it was important for us to address some of that. And so we're going to take a look at the justice of God. Many of you turned on your television sets to discover one of the or the largest massacre in America's history. Um, 50 people died. What was it? Something like 400 wounded, 500 wounded, something like that. Um, just a senseless act of violence. Um, in the words of our president, pure evil. And that's an accurate description of what was uh, what happened. And so today I want to talk about well, where is God and all of that? Where is the justice of God? Um, and so just want to answer some of those very relevant questions. Our scripture comes from 1 Peter chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over to 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, we'll be reading verses 20 through 23, 1 Peter chapter 2. And uh, I'm going to ask if we would to stand for the reading of God's word. So if you would, just stand with me for the reading of God's word. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. And before I read, I just want to share with you, I was talking with Jonathan this past week, and he had seen this new version that had come out of the, of the scriptures based on the Holman Bible. It's called the Christian Standard Bible. And I was thumbing through it and looking at some of the text notes and stuff like that. And it was all quite interesting. And so I flipped to the front of the Bible, and you can do this with your Bible, especially the newer versions that are coming out. And I looked in the uh, kind of table of contents area just beyond that, and I was reading through some of their description of, hey, look, we've come up with this new version, and these are some of the values and things like that. And one of the things that they talked about in there was, we believe in gender-neutral language, and so we've used gender-neutral language in our translation of scriptures. Friends, that is a secular humanist worldview applied to God's word rather than allowing the biblical worldview to be what dictates the day and what defines our culture and our values. And so I would encourage you in your own Bibles, as you're going out, maybe you're shopping for a Bible or something like that, Look in the front of the Bible and see what those people who are doing the translations were to have to say about the gender neutral stuff because it's becoming more and more prolific in the translations that are out there today. So I just want to throw that out there, caution, let you know about it. Um, our scripture reading comes today from the 1984 translation of the NIV Bible, which is good stuff. And it's 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll begin reading at verse 20. Here we go. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. You may be seated. Thank you so much. And those are probably some familiar words of Scripture. We'll come to them a little bit later in the sermon today. Y'all just hold on to that. Uh, but first, before we get into this subject matter, I want to talk a little bit about another attribute of God, not God's justice, but rather God's righteousness, because God's righteousness plays right into God's justice. See, for God to be righteous, what that means is that God is utterly virtuous in everything that he does. What it means is that God is morally correct in everything that he does and in everything that he thinks. That's what the righteousness of God means. And then how the righteous in Psalm chapter 92, verse 15 says, the Lord is upright, there is no unrighteousness in him. And so what this means, how the, impact, how the righteousness of God impacts the justice of God, means that God, because he's righteous, because he's morally upright in everything that he does, it impacts then how he wants his creation to act toward him and toward one another. And so that's where the justice of God begins to uh, spill in. Now, what does it mean that God is just? Well, it means that God is committed to repaying every act of unrighteousness, every act of wickedness, 
every act of corruption and injustice, that God is committed to repaying those actions that were done here on the earth with an appropriate payback. Look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. It says, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. In the Greek translation, it really means God won't be made a fool of. And how is it that God won't be made a fool of? Well, the verse goes on to say, for whatever a person sows, that is what that person will reap. In other words, you've gone out before, you've planted a garden, you've watched the carrots grow, you've watched the tomatoes grow, you put that little seed in the ground, and over time with some water and with some sun, the thing begins to germinate, the seed sprouts up, and that little sprout becomes a plant, and that little plant produces fruit. But what the scripture is saying here, whether good or bad, that seed that we planted will one day bear fruit. Whether good or bad, it, you will reap, the scriptures are saying, what you sow. And so God assures us in this verse that whatever a person sows, even though it may take a while, even though it may not be according to our timing, it eventually will come around. Uh, and you've heard the saying, what goes around comes around. You've heard the saying, the chickens will always return to roost. There you go. And so what this is saying is that God will see to it that justice is done. Now, you might say, Gordon, well, that's a little bit concerning to me because I haven't always sowed good seeds here on the earth, right? And so that's a little bit scary for me. Is there some remedy for that scenario of us reaping what we sow? Um, well, um, you say, Gordon, I mean, one of the remedies that I thought we could use was, you know, coming to church, right? I come to church. And so somehow that'll maybe offset, right, some of the injustices or some of the bad stuff. Maybe I give some money at the church. Maybe I help mow the grass at the church. Maybe I teach some, some, some Sunday school classes or something like that, or I volunteer. And I, all that stuff can help to offset right, the injustices that I've sowed in my life. Well, I mean, that's a way to think about it, but that's not what the scripture says is how it's going to be. Romans chapter 3 and verse 20 says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. In other words, by doing religious activity, by giving money to the church, going to church, teaching in the church, doing stuff around the church, that's all religious activity. And the Bible says you're not going to be declared righteous. You're not going to be declared just in God's eyes by doing, observing the law, or by doing good works. You say, well, it sounds like we're all in really big trouble. Well, not exactly. Romans chapter 3 and verse 21, the next verse says this, but now a righteousness apart from God, or from God, apart from the law, that is apart from religious activity, has been made known. That is, has been made available. Verse 22, the, this righteousness from God through, comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. You see, friends, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, that satisfied, that paid the penalty for the seeds of unrighteousness that we had sowed in our lives. So when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price, he paid the penalty for the just penalty of our sins. Like God is just in judging us and, and seeing to it that we are punished for our sins. But when Jesus died on the cross, he took that punishment that penalty upon himself on the cross. And the scriptures say, though, that, that Jesus' death on the cross, though it's available to everybody, doesn't do anybody any good unless we appropriate it into our own life, unless we turn to the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. That's the only way. You may be here this morning and you've never made that personal decision to accept the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so what that means is that you're in a pretty bad spot right now. It means that you're going to have to stand before God and you're, you are going to have to pay the penalty for your sins. 
You haven't appropriated the blood of Jesus into your life yet. You haven't asked him for the forgiveness of your sins yet. And because of that, the, the, the punishment for your sins is going to be on your head rather than on Jesus on the cross. And so that's something for you to think about. Now you say, well, Gordon, all this is great. I'm a believer. I've turned to the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins already. Uh, you know, so does that mean that now... Because Jesus paid the price on the cross. Does that mean now that I can just sow seeds of unrighteousness with impunity? Right? Does that mean that I can just go out and live however I want to live, do whatever I want to do, and not worry about any sort of repercussions from that? Well, no. Because if you look at the scripture, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, it says that a man reaps what he sows. You see, that verse applies to both unbelievers and to believers. And not just with regard to God's, how he views us in eternity, like the reward or punishment that we receive in eternity, but it also applies to our experience of life down here on earth. If you don't believe me, ask David. <clears throat> you know, David from the Old Testament scriptures, he sowed some pretty bad seeds in his life. And David reaped, as a result of that, some of the ugly uh, repercussions of those seeds that he had sown in his life. You don't believe me, ask Solomon. You don't believe me, ask Samson. You don't believe me, ask a lot of the people all through the scriptures who sowed some bad seeds in them. That's one of the wonderful things I love about the scriptures is that these are not just heroines who always do everything right, like the rest of literature of antiquity. The scriptures are filled with people who were flawed, and the scriptures didn't make any bones about it. Uh, <clears throat> they did all sorts of things from time to time that were wrong, that were unrighteous, that were sinful. And as a result of that, uh, you know, the repercussions fall, fell back into their life. And this is why God calls us over and over and over again in the scriptures to obey him. Because God knows that we are subject to this law of the universe that a man will reap what he sows. All right, let's summarize what we've learned so far. We've learned that because God is righteous, he cares about his creation living in a righteous way toward one another. And we've discovered that because God is just, he promises to repay every unrighteous act that was ever done here on the earth. And because God is God, no one will escape his justice. All right, so that's our treatment of this topic. Now it's time for us to ask that most important question. Now that y'all are very sober-minded, uh, you seem sober-minded, or maybe you're still thinking about the ball games from last night. You should be able to cheer on your face and all that kind of stuff because everybody that needed to lose almost lost. So that was really great. Um, but anyhow, how about them dogs, right? Um, so, uh, so let's ask our most important question, which is what difference does all this make to my life. You say, Gordon, I mean, that's really great to know. I'm glad that God is a God of justice, but I mean, a lot of that has to do with what's going to happen in eternity, also the reap what they sow. I get all that, but I mean, how does this help me Monday through Saturday? All right, this is good preacher stuff. This is good theology, but how does that help me in my workplace and when I'm getting smacked uh, around at work and people are pulling the rug out from under me? What does this have to do with my life? Well, let's talk about that. You know, the desire for justice, Everybody doing okay? Okay, just making sure. Our, the desire for justice, the desire for revenge runs deep in the human spirit. It does. And when we feel like justice is not clicking along at the pace, right, that we want to see it happen at, it is not uncommon within the human experience for us to want to help that justice along, right? I mean, let's be honest. Every one of us here knows what it's like to be betrayed. 
Every one of us here knows what it's like to be abused or taken advantage of or sorted in some way, to have somebody yank the rug out from under, underneath of us. I heard about this guy locally um, who did a painting job for another guy, and he worked for like three weeks, three weeks, worked painting at this guy's house or whatever it was the job was. And, uh, and he gets done with the job, and it's time to be paid. And the guy says, well, I don't have any money. What do you mean you don't have any money? <laughs> uh, you got car keys, <laughs> right? So, but the guy didn't pay him for like three weeks worth of work. And he just, just totally, he had the money. He just wasn't going to pay him. He just totally outright stiffed this painter for all the work that he had done. Um, can you imagine treating somebody like that? Can you imagine doing somebody like that? But we've all had people do us like that. And so the question isn't, is there injustice in the world? That's not the question. We know that there's injustice in the world. You turned on the TV this past week, and you saw injustice. I mean, that guy at that, in that hotel building firing down on those people whom he didn't even know any of them. He didn't know their names. He had nothing against them. There was nothing personally they had ever done to him. He had never met them before, hadn't looked them up on Facebook. He didn't know who any of these people were. Tremendous injustice. And yet, so we know that injustice is in the world. We've experienced it personally. The question, though, is how should we as followers of Christ live differently because our God is just? Because our God is just. How does that impact our Monday through Saturday and how we treat people when we've been, injustice has been done against us? Paul answers that question, Romans chapter 12. Maybe a familiar passage of scripture to you, Romans chapter 12, verse 17. It says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Verse 19, again, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Why? For it is written, I will repay. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Paul goes on to say, verse 20, if your enemy is hungry, do the opposite of what you feel like doing. Give them something to eat. If they're thirsty, do the opposite of what you would rather do. Give them something to drink. And, be, and why do that? Why do the opposite? Because in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. That is, instead of you exacting justice, you're leaving room for God to have justice and for burning coals to be heaped on their heads that God will take care of doing. Last verse here, verse 21. Do not be overcome by other people's evil, but overcome evil with good. In other words, don't go down to their level. Don't sink to, don't get down in the mud and wrestle with somebody. Instead, you overcome evil with good. In short, what God is telling us here is that when people do bad things to us, when people damage us, mistreat us, God tells us to take the high road, not to sink to their level. God says you don't have to because I have seen it, I know about it, and I will take care of it. I will repay, says the Lord. You know, the Lord Jesus lived this way. And we read this in the verses at the beginning. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23 says, when they hurled their insults at the Lord Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats in return. Instead, he entrusted himself to God who judges justly. The Lord Jesus is asking us, friends, to do the same thing, that rather than being consumed by hate, rather than being consumed by bitterness, rather than being consumed by the need to see justice done, 
Jesus says, do like Peter says, do like Jesus did. Leave it up to God. Trust in God's promise. I will repay, says the Lord. And so what does that mean for you and I? Is what it means. It means to let it go. That's what it means. God will take care of it. Let me stop right there and just uh, add a caveat to all of this. The scriptures are not saying that when someone has criminally offended you, uh, have violated your legal rights, that you are supposed to forego your legal rights. In fact, we have multiple uh, times within the scriptures where the apostle Paul himself uh, exercises his legal rights. In Acts chapter 16, I believe it was when he, I think that's right, in Acts chapter 16 when he's thrown in jail in Philippi, and they're gonna, they flogged him already, and he's been in jail all night long, and they're coming out the next morning uh, to go let him out of jail, and he exercises his legal rights as a Roman citizen. In Acts chapter 26, same thing, the Jews are out to kill him, and he's about ready to come to the end of his life. They're getting ready to stone him to death, and the Apostle Paul says, I make my appeal to Caesar. He exercises as a Roman citizen his legal right to stop this so that he can make his appeal, so that he can continue to share the gospel, so that he continues to have breath in his lungs. Romans chapter 12 is not talking about criminal acts. It is talking about the stuff of life when people treat us in a rotten way, in a shameful way, but they're not illegal. It's not criminal. God says when it comes to these kinds of personal hits, God wants for us to take the high road. If you read the book of Leviticus in the Bible, it's all of these civil law. Remember, there's three parts of the, of the law of Moses. There's the ceremonial law, that's the religious stuff. There's the moral law, that carries forward into the New Testament. And then there's the civil law, which governed them as a people. So if my cow walks over onto your property and gets stuck in your fence, then you have to take the life of that cow, that there's some way for me to get reparations for that. Um, and so on. And so there's all these civil law. There's legal rights that God gave. They're written all in the scriptures. Now, we don't carry those civil law forward into our day. They don't govern us today as a people of God because we're not a nation. We are the people of God beyond the borders of national Israel. We don't need a civil law like that that God has prescribed. Rather, we live under nations. We live under subjection to those national laws. The point is that when it comes to personal hits, the shameful stuff that people do to us, the way that they hurt us, they're treating us in a rotten way. God says, look, he wants for us to take the high road. Let me give you a clear way of thinking about this. And it's been, it's been I know I've shared this with you, so it may sound familiar to you, uh, but it's been several years ago. Um, and this is, this is how I want you to think about this. Just kind of putting all that we've been taught here from the scriptures into a way that we can walk out of here and remember it during the week. And that is the difference between being a wall and being a tunnel being a wall, and being a tunnel. You see, when there's incoming, right, there's shrapnel on its way in, and it hits a wall. It just hits the wall, drops to the base of the wall, right? And then it sits there in our life, and it stinks, and it gets to stinking more, and it continues to sit there, and it putrefies, and it's blech, right? But if there's incoming, and it hits a tunnel, and it go, what does it do? It goes right? Y'all like my sound effects? It goes right through the tunnel, and it just keeps on going, and it doesn't sit there at the base of our heart. It doesn't sit there at the base of our minds and stink the place up and putrefy, and so that's kind of what the scriptures are telling us to do here. God's saying, hey, look, you don't be a wall where everything incoming hits, falls down at the base of your heart, and just sits there. God says, you be a tunnel 
fire through. And God's saying, I'll be right at the at the other end and I'm going to catch it at the other end of the tunnel and I'll take care of it. You just let that stuff fire right through your life, fire right through. And God says, I'll take care of it. Friends, he'll do a way better job, way better job of executing his justice than you or I ever could. God's saying, I'm on the other side with my catcher mitt. Don't be a wall, be a tunnel. Don't let evil pollute your life. Don't let evil overcome you. And so what that means is, hey, look, if we're a tunnel and we let this stuff, the incoming, just fire right through, God says, hey, look, you'll have a much healthier life as a result. So I want to challenge you today that though there are people in our lives who have hurt us, who have damaged us, and that though we are far more prone to hate than to forgive, I'm here to tell you that hate and malice, friends, are hurting us so much more than our desire for justice is hurting that other person. Uh, Somebody's wronged you, somebody's not paid you for the three weeks of painting that they should have paid you for, and they should have paid you for it. At the end of the day, if we keep hanging on to that stuff, we are the ones who are hurt so much more proportionally than the person that we're holding that out against. And so I want to challenge us today to stop being a wall and to think of your life as a tunnel, to take all that putrefying decay and let it pass right through your life. Let's pray together. Lord, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, there are there's stuff in our past, there's stuff that's happening to us just this past week. There's reasons for us to be upset. There's justifiable reasons for us to be angry. And you understand that. You didn't tell us that we couldn't, uh, we couldn't be angry, but you said in our anger, don't sin. And Lord, you asked us that when we want revenge, to let go of that and let it be caught by our great God and let you handle it. Because, Lord, your justice, unlike ours, is perfect. So, Lord, may we release this morning in a quiet time of communion our right to be angry, our right to hold that over those that have hurt us. May we let go of that this morning in a supernatural way. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, let this happen. Let this happen for us today. Lord, you hung on the cross. Our sins were hurled at you. You experienced the full weight of the sins of the world. And yet, you said, it's not my justice, but I'm going to put it in the hands of the Father. God, may we follow your example. We pray these things in Christ's holy name. Amen.